The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The Summit Lighthouse brings you practical spiritual answers and is the open door to sacred mysteries. These teachings, delivered by Mark and Elizabeth Clare Prophet, are compelling, thought-provoking, and timeless. Here are your hosts, Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. And hello, everybody, and welcome again to The Open Door, the online voice of the Summit Lighthouse, where we publish and practice the teachings of the Ascended Masters and where we invite you to awaken to the light within. I'm Tom Schumacher. I'm Sid Bennett. Sid. Where's Terry? <laughs> Terry's off today, yep. so kind of stuck with me in his chair. Yeah, that's quite all right. You know, our friend Terry is taking a, a necessary break today, but he'll be back the next time we do a live show. So if you miss him, send us an email. <laughs> He'd love it. And today um, we are talking about family, a rather broad subject. And to help us out with that, we've invited the team manager for our family youth programs, Candace Van, to join us. Hello, Candace. Hello, good afternoon. Would you mind perhaps telling our audience a little bit about what you do, what it means to be a team manager in this particular arena? Yeah, I'd be happy to do so. Uh, the family and youth team of the Summit Lighthouse serves the families of the Summit Lighthouse and whoever we contact through the teachings of the Ascended Masters. We have a website. Um, that is part of the TSL website. So we have spiritual and educational resources on the website. We also look forward to contacting our members heart-to-heart and any new members heart-to-heart. We enjoy having workshops. We have webinars. We have um, ongoing programs for our children and for our youth, including teen retreats Good. several times a year. Yeah, now you said we have a website. Uh, it's, it's a subset. Of TSL.org, I assume, or SummitLighthouse.org. That's true. What's the slash? Yeah, it's slash family. <laughs> so oh, if you go to the Summit Lighthouse, right in the horizontal bar at the top, it says family, and that's where you can click on it and find it. Pretty easy to do. Yes. Well, good. Oh, well, thanks. I'm glad you're here. And, well, let's start by just talking about the importance of family. I mean, it's an obvious thing to say. We, I don't think anybody would disagree, but family is vital to our culture, our society, and to our spiritual life, isn't it? Yes, it is. Um, We really believe that the family is the institution that is ordained by God for the building of civilization. (laughs) (laughs) That says it all right there, doesn't it? Boy, I guess, yes. That's quite a vision that we're holding, but we believe it's true. And we believe that the more emphasis that you can put on your family and family values, Mm -hmm. the more that our society will have a chance to really be a more spiritual society. And to... You know, the title of the show, as we set this up uh, in this previous week, was Bringing God Back Home. Now, we certainly understand that God is not in everybody's home. And there are a lot of reasons, probably, that we could indicate why God has been left out. You want to kind of maybe enumerate some of those? Again, we're talking about our culture in general, but you can get as specific as you want. Why is God not in the home these days? Yeah. 
that certainly is a good uh, question for discussion because yeah. every one of you going in and out is trying to figure that out. They're trying to find out why God isn't as prominent. And let's say in biblical times, in the even in the new when the New Testaments around. Jesus' time. But one of the um, themes that I find quite often is that the family doesn't pray together anymore. And so that by that ritual on a daily basis, that brings God just naturally back in your home and through your heart, you're expressing to God your cares and wants. So I think that might be one of the basic You know, you you just mentioned uh, prayer, and I think this would be a good time to tease What's upcoming in our program later today, in fact, in segment two and segment three, we're going to be playing excerpts from lecture by Elizabeth Clare Prophet on the family and on the importance of prayer, on the importance of leading by example, on the importance of understanding how the family is structured. Mm-hmm. So I want everybody to be looking forward to that because we'll be playing those um, coming up very soon. But let's go back to the family and God. As God is a member of the family, yes. basically. Yes. Um, in this culture... God is not given a lot of respect. And I'm not speaking to everybody, of course, here, because a lot of us who are oriented in this regard know that God has, you know, a central role to play. But our society typically pushes God to the side in favor of earthly pursuits, Uh you know? And how do you fight that? I mean, I I always wonder, what, what can you do to overcome, as we often say in these teachings, to reverse the tide of that negativity, that ignorance, that, that, that the blurring of gender roles, the, the blurring of morality, I mean, all that stuff that we have to deal with. How do, you, how do we approach that? How do we, how do we combat that? Well, we say something simple for families. Give God time in your life. There you go. It's pretty simple because with our very busy world, extracurriculars for children, um, lessons, all the things they do besides school, is there enough time in your day to just sit as a family and talk about God, have spiritual discussions? Yeah, I think that's true. And, and you know, a lot of our societies become secular. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, earlier this year, I think there was an article in the Wall Street <clears throat> Journal about the churches of Europe and how they've been converted to other uses. And the picture was somebody skateboarding in one of the, the <laughs> old cathedrals in Europe. And, of course, if people aren't taught, you know, about God or yeah. the path, or even, even, you know, people are ignorant today of the most you know, the traditional biblical stories, whether it's of Noah or, or Jonah and the whale, they, they don't even get that because they have no Sunday school teaching. And of course, kids do what their parents do. You know, kids are great imitators. And if the kid, parents show interest, no interest in religion or dismiss it, yeah. typically the children do that too. Right. So that's what we believe. We believe that the parents are the God-ordained influences on their children, for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. So we look to that role of parents. What do you want to impart to your children? Do you want to impart God and values, or are we going to center on um, extracurriculars? And all of it is important, but you just have to keep everything in balance and look at your whole, you know, a holistic look at your family and seeing what you need to include on a daily basis to keep that um, heartbeat going and that connection to God. You know, I I think one of the teachings that I found fascinating is that the parents actually represent the father, mother, God to the child. The child cannot see God, although when they're really tiny, I think they can, but (laughs) as they grow up. And so they're looking to the father and their mother as representatives of the father, mother, God. How do I live? How do I order my life? What do I do in terms of, you know, dealing with problems, issues, morality? And if it's not there in the home, how do you expect the children to even understand it or grasp it? And what that speaks to is that you have to remember when a child has come in and born, 
they remember their inner reality and their inner awareness mm-hmm. of when they were with God and the ascended masters. And they're looking for that connection to be, to be on earth when they've come into a family. So they're looking for their parents for that role. And if they don't have it, then they look elsewhere. You know, this is a very interesting point because I don't think we often think about how spiritually oriented our toddlers are. These little infants and these small little crawling around you know, ankle biters, they are connected in ways that are very meaningful to the deity that we only can pray to be connected to, you know, to, or to remember, I think, as you said, Sid. So I think it's really important to understand that these little beings who maybe can't even talk, they are conveying and they are communicating on that spiritual level probably all the time. And, and Ken, is it up to age three that typically they'll have that ability to to really see the angels and the elementals. and It's actually through the stage of the absorbent mind, which is about six or seven, really? that they just absorb everything in their environment because they are so much more in the inner than as they come into the next stage of development. You know, I, I saw something recently, an article about peer pressure. And the point that this particular author was making was that the peer pressure is almost non-existent before about the age 10. But sometime around there, there seems to be the socialization that occurs in schools in particular, where suddenly it becomes an issue. Mm -hmm. And even saying the word God in some cities can get you beat up. I mean, it's amazing how these kinds of, um, I don't know what you even call it, this thought form occurs in the minds, basically, I think, as a result of the example or lack of example of the parents. Those that are devoted, a lot of the Christian families, certainly in this country, they pull out of the public schools. They homeschool Either yeah. homeschool them or send them to a Christian school. And, you know, that's not the way it used to be, obviously, in, in this nation. And um, But the secularization of everything in our society has pushed, you know, God and um, uh, God and the family aside. Yeah, because prayer was taken out of school, and that was the <laughs> first direction down that unfortunate road that was taken out of the school systems. Yeah, that's really an important point to make there, too, because it has been systematically removed from the, from the school environment. And even from our uh, educational environment in general, from our social fabric, you, know, you can't put it on the Supreme Court's door anymore or whatever it was. You, you know, it's interesting, the spiritual ramifications of that. I remember Mrs. Prophet told, said that once in the old days, quote-unquote, going back to the 40s, I guess, maybe the oh 50s, gosh. they used to read a psalm at the beginning in public schools every day. Of course, it's, you know, ecumenical. It was addressed to Jewish and Christian perspectives. But she said because that psalm was read, it allowed the angels to come in and help the children. And when you take that out of the school, then, of course, because of the law of octaves and free will, they can't intercede. So you lose the benefit of the angels um, helping the children. And, of course, we can see the ramifications of that. That's right. Well, we can. I know about you. I never did have the public school experience. I was in a Catholic school from kindergarten through high school. So in that particular case, of course, God was a very important part of the classroom. So I don't really know what it's like, but I know from my my children, having heard stories that they told, it was almost frightening sometimes to hear the prejudice that was expressed by teachers as well as by their fellow students about God, about how almost comical it was to to maintain a belief in God. They thought that was just so uncool. It's really difficult because that really sets up when a home is trying to be centered around spiritual concepts and then they go to a school. Can you imagine the dichotomy that develops in a child because they know what their parents are teaching them, but at school they're either ridiculed or it's just a difficult thing. So the more the parents can reinforce it at home, the stronger the child will be in its beliefs as it goes further in development. And I think that the core of this is 
you know, kids are smart, as we know that. And, and if, if you're not walking your talk, so to speak, they'll see right through you. <laughs> so right. You, what you, can, you, know, you can take your kids and drop them off at Sunday school, but if you don't go to church or, or practice spiritual things, they're not going to believe you. And so <laughs> it has to, they have to, yes, you talk to them, but you must also observe. They must observe how you live your life. Right. Mm-hmm. The research yes. says that the parents are the most influential factor for a child's development, and that's spiritually, too. So you can imagine that speaks to what Sid just said. They're going to look to the parent. Well, you know, we have a dilemma of broken families in this country. And it goes without saying that that is going to hamstring that development to some extent. I know we can't solve that problem for everybody, but maybe coming up in another segment, we can talk a bit about how does the fragmented family survive in that environment and still maintain that balance that a family needs to have God in it you know, properly. Yeah. You want to maybe go there in the next segment or two? Sure, we can talk about Cause that. Because I think we're coming up on a break here pretty quick. And as, when we come back, we're going to listen to an excerpt from the lecture by Mrs. Prophet, where it talks about leading by example. So I think that's going to be something that would be you know, good for us to hear. We'll have a few minutes perhaps to comment after that is done. And then we'll uh, save the, the fragmented family question perhaps for segment four at the end of our program today. Okay? That sounds good. So having said that, let's go to a short break. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. So please stay with us. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. At the Summit Lighthouse, our goal is to help you awaken to the light within and discover your real self. Today, thousands of spiritual seekers all around the world are using the universal teachings of the Ascended Masters to make their higher selves a permanent part of their reality. And you can too. The Ascended Masters are the saints and sages of East and West from all major religions and spiritual paths. They have walked where you walk and understand the challenges you face. And their teachings are always practical. By applying the science of the spoken word through verbal prayers called decrees, the masters teach us how to harness the healing power of the violet flame and other spiritual energies to transform our lives and our world. On The Open Door, it is our goal and great joy to bring you Ascended Master teachings that you can apply in your life right now. To learn more about the Summit Lighthouse and the teachings of the Ascended Masters, visit us today at tsl.org and discover how you can awaken to the light within. It's what you're here to do. Remember, tsl.org. Those seeking a higher spiritual path question everything. It is the nature of a spiritual seeker. They look deeply at all world religions and know that there are nuggets of truth within them all. The Summit Lighthouse is a deep repository of spiritual wisdom delivered by the Ascended Masters through their messengers Mark and Elizabeth Clare Prophet. For over 50 years, we have brought seekers worldwide liberating teachings that include the violet flame, the creative power of sound, and a deep personal connection to the Masters of Light. The goal of our show is to bring you timely spiritual teachings that are practical and liberating. For a free download of one of our most popular books, go to www.summitlighthouse.org forward slash radio downloads. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 
listening to The Open Door, brought to you by the Summit Lighthouse. Please send your comments or questions to webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to our show. And we are back. Thank you for staying with us. You're listening to The Open Door, the online voice of the Summit Lighthouse, where today we're talking about the central role of family and God in our culture, society, and our spiritual life. Now, the simple truth is we cannot teach children something that we are not. In the following lecture excerpt, Elizabeth Clare Prophet speaks of the family from the level of teaching by example, as well as detailing the specific roles that parents play in family life, the need for harmony, and much more. Let's listen. I would like to tell you that at the point of the desire body is where children learn the most from you. They learn from your example. You are always setting an example for someone and that children read the example from the lower levels of their being, they, by osmosis, take upon themselves our desirings. And they walk not in imitation of the Christ, whom they cannot see, but in imitation of father and mother and you and me, whom they can see. The Brotherhood needs effective leaders and shepherds, role models and examples. You can become that. The path is joy no matter where you are on it or what is happening because the miracles of God unfold as quickly as the skies change and the clouds move and the sunshine comes and then the rain. All is in a state of flux when you are engaged in the alchemy of transmutation. This movement of God through you and about you is ever the promise that you are moving toward that sun when you have made all things and conditions right in your world, right in your consciousness. And so the wondrous path of the ruby ray with its surrender and sacrifice and selflessness and service gives us a measure of how we are doing in the four lower bodies. Let us know then, we cannot teach children to be something that we are not. We can teach them to become all that we are and to tell them that their goal is to exceed us, that each new generation must excel beyond the last. And therefore, what we give of ourselves to our children, they add to their nucleus of genes, their storehouse of their causal body, and all the great momentums of the past. This is our great goal, and of course, therefore, there can be no such thing as jealousy on the part of a mother for her children or a father for his children. We are not in competition with our children. We want them to advance beyond ourselves, for only thus shall we have succeeded in passing the torch to the next generation. And after all, that is our reason for being born. One of parents' most important tasks is to be sure that children understand the hierarchy of the family. The father and the mother respectful and loving of each other and the child as their most loved child and student. No matter how many children are in the family, each one is the most beloved. Each one is special in his own turn. And we must be very careful to give equal time and attention to each child and equal love. For does not God love them equally. 
The father in the household should have the dignity and the respect and presence of God the Father and should be so acknowledged by the mother. She should uphold him so that the children know that he is the rock to whom everyone turns, the rock of Christ and the rock of the Buddha. This is a high calling which all sons of God must aspire to and they must know that we depend upon them to play that role and to fulfill it. I believe that a wife and mother should support her husband and his position only insofar as he follows Christ. To support him when he does not uphold and embody Christ's love, Christ's wisdom and Christ's law is to betray not only her husband's integrity, but her children's and her own. A husband and father should likewise support wife and mother only as she too follows Christ. And both parents can uphold their children only when they are also bound to Christ. The New Testament places the husband at the head of the household as he is the servant of Christ and the woman under the husband as she also serves Christ. This relationship, of course, can only be sustained if the father fulfills his calling and the mother her own. In that true calling, the gracious husband filled with the Holy Spirit will hearken to the wisdom of his wife and consider all that she says and as they come to conclusions and meet together regarding their children and all things pertaining to their marriage and household, there will be that unity because both have that attunement with the living Christ. Parents, of course, must demonstrate great harmony and love in the home. When they share a mutual commitment to God and his Christ, and this is reflected in their interaction with one another and their children, each child develops a profound devotion to the parents, and the parents become a pane of glass through which the child can see and love God. The child is a reflection of the levels of attainment of each parent. When it comes to the parent's self-indulgence or what the parent allows himself to get away with, the child will follow the patterns of the parent's etheric, mental, and desire bodies. Most of us let ourselves get away with something now and then. We think we can get away with a certain amount, with a brotherhood, or with God, or with the law. As long as we're good most of the time and do everything else right, we think we can cut corners a little here and a little there. Well, whereas we may be able to keep ourselves in control by skipping around the edges of the law, our example will be multiplied without restraint in our children. They will not discriminate to see the percentages that you allow in yourself. If you do something once in their eyes, they will make it a permanent habit and decide if daddy or mommy does this, it's okay. Children are the products of the parents' desire bodies. Children tie into the parents' desire bodies and the patterns of karma that register at and are communicated from the parents' solar plexus and electronic belt, the subconscious. The parent transmits his unspoken self to the child. We've all seen a father and mother duck waddling along with their baby ducks all in a row behind them. They waddle the same way, they quack the same way, and like little mirrors, the ducklings will incorporate the same emotional strengths 
or weaknesses as Papa and Mama Duck. Your children will put on your psychology and they will wear it. They imitate everything you are, how you walk and laugh, smile or frown, your speech patterns, your likes and dislikes, what you eat or don't, your tastes in entertainment, sports, politics, etc., etc. And so the greatest gift you can give to God is to understand parenting, parenthood, and parental responsibility. If you follow a path of discipleship and set standards of sacrifice, surrender, selflessness, and service, marking the four lower bodies, and giving in your life, your children will take for granted that this is the way life is. What parents find in their offspring is many times what they have not challenged or bound in themselves. On the other hand, children have their own unique karma for which they are solely responsible. Parents can only do their best and set an example of excellence for children to do their best. Even if you do not have excellence in every area, you can make very clear in many, many ways every day of your life that mediocrity itself is a sin, that laziness is a sin, that there is no room for self-indulgence that allows us not to give the best of ourselves to every job we undertake. That level of excellence is the only level for which a child should be praised. That real self must shine through us in a very everyday way, not with fanfare, but just being that sweet presence or that firm presence, depending on the father and the mother and which one each is bearing at the moment. For, of course, both can be sweet or firm. <laughs> sweet or firm. Wow, that, that excerpt was a feast, wasn't it? Indeed. Yes. I noticed uh, we're all parents here, and um, the point that was made midway through, but you can't get away with anything. <laughs> the kids see it. They know it. They, oh, they do. It. They, they pick it up. Well, obviously, we're all busily writing comments here as we're listening to that. Anything you want to uh, highlight or, or focus on? Well, I wanted to bring up at the point that uh, Elizabeth Clare Prophet said, the real self must shine through us. Mm -hmm. And I think that is so important to remember because we all make mistakes as parents. We have, we realize that maybe we didn't say something right, but the love shines through you as the love of God and the love of this child and, and which comes from your spiritual self, your higher self will be felt by the child. And that's what really enfolds a child in the hollowed circle of love in the home. You know, I think we made a comment to ourselves on that same point because I remember her saying that the parent's like a pane of glass through which the children see God. Amazing Wow, concept. what a responsibility. <laughs> yes, what indeed. Yes. You know, and I think, too, that when the child sees that the parent can acknowledge a mistake. Yes. You know, I didn't do that right, honey. I, you know, I, I didn't listen like I tried to encourage you to do when, when you were speaking and so forth. And so the child can see that it's okay to not be perfect, number one, but not compromising the office, if, if you will, of parent. Mm -hmm. You know, we have responsibilities. And so yeah. we fulfill them, not always perfectly, but as they reach a certain age, you can really explain that to them. And I think we, we don't go out of our way to praise compromise. As Mrs. Prophet said, we we praise excellence. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think it's a point to show them that you're accountable for your actions, yeah. too. 
So you say, hey, look, I made a mistake. You know, I'm going to do better the next time. So they know that they can do the same thing, but you learn from your mistakes. And that's really life. Yeah, and we're not here to perfect a human. Right, that's right. (laughs) You know, we've got in the habit of when we have in our home having a, there's a disagreement or something between my wife and I and our, our, our girl you know, at the end of this, we try and, you know, we always end it with a family hug. You know, oh, we yeah. can forgive and move on. It doesn't have to linger. We make mistakes, but it, it's really very healing to do that. And even the dog gets involved. <laughs> <laughs> he had to bark or something. <laughs> do not let the sun go down on your disagreements. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's an important principle. Oh, it's very important. Yeah. And obviously, one of the central principles here, which we won't get into right now, but we can next segment or two, is this whole idea of Christhood. Mm-hmm. The fact that what we attempt to do in our lives, in our family life, is to ex- exhibit and exemplify the Christ in ourselves and in each other. So bringing that out of the children is probably the, I mean, she said, you've got to remember the reason why you're born. Yeah. It's to become the Christ. Yes. So. And you have that inner awareness, and that's what we're trying to draw out from our children, the inner awareness that they have been, they know who they are, and we're trying to draw that out from them. Indeed. Yes. And uh, as we're coming up upon a break right now, we'll listen to another segment of that uh, lecture in just a moment or two. In this time, we're going to listen to Mrs. Prophet talking about how to set up the Ascended Masters as a focus in the family life and in the lives of the children. So please stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Right now, all over the world, warriors of light are working tirelessly to defend your soul's opportunity to achieve oneness with God. These spiritual warriors are keepers of the flame, and though few, the power they wield is greater than all of the weapons made by man. Founded by St. Germain in 1961, Keepers of the Flame is a non-denominational fraternity in the tradition of ancient spiritual orders. When you join, you'll receive a series of lessons that will introduce you to a vast and dynamic spiritual world. See for yourself. Access Lesson 1 right now, completely free. No login required. Simply go to tsl.org keepers, and in seconds you could be exploring a whole new world of practical Ascended Master teachings. Lessons are printed or available online for any time, anywhere access, and anyone can join. Discover your real self and explore your full spiritual potential. Become a Keeper of the Flame today and awaken to the light within. Please visit tsl.org keepers and prepare to accelerate. Those seeking a higher spiritual path question everything. It is the nature of a spiritual seeker. They look deeply at all world religions and know that there are nuggets of truth within them all. The Summit Lighthouse is a deep repository of spiritual wisdom delivered by the Ascended Masters through their messengers Mark and Elizabeth Clare Prophet. For over 50 years, we have brought seekers worldwide liberating teachings that include the violet flame, the creative power of sound, and a deep personal connection to the Masters of Light. The goal of our show is to bring you timely spiritual teachings that are practical and liberating. For a free download of one of our most popular books, go to www.summitlighthouse.org forward slash radio downloads. This is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. 
listening to The Open Door, brought to you by the Summit Lighthouse. Please send your comments or questions to webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to our show. And we are back. Thank you very much for staying with us. You're listening to The Open Door, where today we're talking about God and family. And joining us is a special guest, Candace Van, who's the team manager for our family and youth programs here at the Summit Lighthouse. Now, uh, we were uh, listening to a lecture here a moment ago. We're going to listen to another part of that lecture now, which basically asks this question, how do we as parents teach our children to love, accept, and respect the Ascended Masters as central figures in family life? It begins with focus and prayer. Please listen. Place focuses around your home at the child's eye level so that he can develop a relationship with the Ascended Masters. Children also respond to the sense of smell, and so you can use certain types of incense uh, for various masters. For instance, Elmoria's incense is frankincense. Pine is always good, and there are others you can use. Anyone interested in aromatherapy could use it, but of course, don't go overboard. Find focuses that your child can touch and hold. That develops an intimate contact uh, with the saints or ascended masters. Create an altar for your child that is at his level. Create an altar that is at the level of the child so he can go to that altar. You can also have a special garment that he puts on his other garments, like um, a little white robe that he wraps around himself and ties so that he can go to that altar and sense himself as in a worshipful mode that he always wears that little uh, robe uh, that you make for him at his altar. And if you can have him go to the altar at certain times a day, it establishes the habit of ritual and prayer. Teach your child to always pray before he goes to sleep. The very first thing you have to know in reestablishing your relationship to God in this life is how to pray. And that is what your child has come here to accomplish. How to form an individual prayer in a simple way, like, Dear God, please help my brother get well. You don't have to teach children a long, involved preamble. They can say, In the name of my mighty I am presence, and then call for the things that they wish to attend to. Children who regularly pray at night from a very early age develop a list of things that they like to pray for, and you can talk to them about problems that people are having that they know when other friends are sick, and at a certain age when they get a little older and can understand the problems of other children in the world, when you can show them uh, good TV news shows that show the problems of children, they can begin praying for children and have their ritual for youth. Children are very good at memorizing when they are young, and so you can give them the Beloved Heavenly Father mantra for the youth of the world. They can ask God to help them to overcome a problem or a situation in their family or in their community. They can pray for their parents, their siblings. We should not try to teach them to pray at the level that we do when we decree or shouting fiats to Almighty God. Prayer is a very acceptable form, reciting the rosaries. Because they like to repeat things, children will often come home from school, from our school, repeating a mantra, and they will say it over and over again. They are learning the language, they like to hear themselves say it, plus they are devotional, plus they sense the ritual of it. 
I know of one child who repeats all the prayers he's been taught in school. Uh, he's only two, and uh, he keeps himself awake saying his prayers, and his parents have to tell him to stop praying because otherwise he's up so late he's tired the next day. So this to me proves the devotional nature of children, and we must see to it that they have the rosaries and other decrees that they can memorize because the memory is, is so profound at this point. A child is coming out of his etheric uh, body in any case. He's beginning to develop his soul's integration with his four lower bodies. So it is the etheric body that he is largely centered in in those first years. If you look at the etheric quadrant, he's born on the 12 o'clock line, he's one, he's two, and he doesn't get out of the etheric quadrant until his third birthday on the three o'clock line when he starts the mental body. So it is very easy for children to enter the heaven world. They do so when they leave their body at night. Now when they are in prayer, they can see angels, they can see elementals, they can talk to the masters. And this goes on up until their third birthday when that etheric body is wide open to them. So it's a profound time of establishing communion with God for life in little children. And we have to remember that it is the age when they will be more devotional than any other time in their life and have a, perhaps a greater communion than they will know until they come to a certain attainment in later years. We should teach them to pray with feeling, softly, and with great love, speaking to God. A prayer is not a decree, it's not a fiat, it's your private talk with God that you have every night. Depending on the way you train your children, you may be in the room with them or not in the room with them. You should try seeing if they will say their prayers without you. You should also pray with them in order to teach them how to pray. But when they are thoroughly trained in praying, you might let them be alone and not attempt to listen in on them so that they know that they are having a very private talk with God. When you teach children to pray to God, to ask Him questions, and to talk to Him, you should tell them to expect an answer and tell them that God answers us in many ways. And He does not always do exactly what we ask Him to do, but He does what is best for us. We have to teach children that prayer is always answered, but not necessarily in the way that we expect it. So we should expect to receive intimations of God from many sources and also coming through people themselves. So children need to be taught to be alert to situations in their life that are the work of God, but not to become superstitious or not to impute to natural events the hand of God in the sense of making them feel that, almost in a superstitious sense, that anything that might happen to them is God doing something when some things happen just in the normal course of events. You should teach the child to kneel at his bedside. He can put his arms on his bed if he can reach, fold his hands, fold them to his heart, bow his head, and so forth. You can tell him that when he goes to sleep, his soul will be journeying with angels to the retreats of the Ascended Masters. Yes, indeed. Um, it's amazing, isn't it? I mean, I think that there's so many simple points to be made here, but they're profound. That uh, one of them, of course, is about prayers being answered. That 
God always does what's best for us, even if the answer that we get isn't what we asked for specifically. Another great point, I think, was that we start early to establish communion with God. And you probably can't start early enough. Anything you were taken with on that uh, excerpt? Yeah, we actually really believe, and research confirms this, that you can start even when your child's in the womb, mm. that they hear you saying prayers to God, and they have that communion with the above rather than just into the physical. So it's really important that prayer is just a part of your daily life. And I think this speaks to, you know, the proverb that says, train your child in the way he should go. Mm-hmm. And when he's old enough, he will not depart from it. I think as Elizabeth Clare Prophet said, they have these inner awareness children and they're devotional by nature. But unless you keep reminding them of that and acquainting with them, they may lose it. And that's why you want to train them starting very young, um, even in the womb, as I said, so that they have that through the trials of life as they get older. You know, I, we can speak from our experience. Our, our little girl, when she was, you know, two, one, two, even three, and so forth, we set up an altar with these little statues and so forth and beautiful pictures. And watching her dealing with them, um, it, was, it was really amazing how she <laughs> took them into her being, especially the pictures, spiritual pictures. She stared at them. And one day she didn't know I was watching her, and we had a, a Buddha there, and Oh, she was very young. She picked up the Buddha and kissed it. And it was, mm-hmm. it was so sweet, the, the innocence and holiness of children. You know, how do you teach children holiness? Well, they have it coming in, yes. and then they lose it. So right. do what you can so they don't lose it. That's right. Well, and, you know, you mentioned a biblical reference. and This has been an issue and a challenge for eons. It's not anything that's right. new. <laughs> that's right. And, and that's why we still have parents to prime the pump, as they say. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah. You know, I think an important point, too, and as Prophet mentioned, you know, the children come in with their own karma. And we under, the understanding is that typically children don't get their karma until the age of 12. But that's a whole other part of the equation here that, that the whole family has to deal with. And an understanding of that gives you a real head start. Um, you know, when things come up, you know it's something the child needs to learn or you need to learn from the child. And so <laughs> yeah. that's why parenting is, uh, so we say, a dynamic opportunity. Oh, my gosh, yes. Yeah, you make a beautiful point because I think we've often heard that said that our children are our greatest teachers. Yeah. And they sure, they, they, they uncover all your psychology. Right. <laughs> There's and no when, escape. And you definitely want, I mean, the whole understanding that um, just like a mentor, you want to ex- exceed your teacher. So I think that's too what we want for our children, that they find their way and they, you know, they go on beyond what we could even imagine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Have you had a conversation with your children about what they see? Are you, are you talking to angels? Are you? Well, that, the problem is a lot of parents discount that and think yes. they're just imagining it when they really are seeing yeah. them. Right. But can I tell a quick story here? Of course. I, I know someone who, when they was in the teaching center masters and when their little girl, I don't know, she wasn't very old or so forth, and they were playing one day and the little girl said, uh, mommy, you know, I used to be the mommy and used to be the baby. <laughs> and she said, oh, can you tell me about that? No. And then she said, uh, <laughs> she kind of lead the conversation. Mm-hmm. She said, well, can you tell me what it was like when you were born? She said, oh, she said, I came down a long stairway. And she said, well, how did you have to come to our family? And she said, well, you had to take what you could get. <laughs> 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 a little humbling for a parent, isn't yeah, it? That's really amazing, yeah. Don't repeat that for Granny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. gosh. But to speak to what you said, Tom, I've seen it in my children, and it's the most inspirational thing to see your children saying that they're seeing things and you're trying to figure out what they're seeing, and it's because they have that inner awareness and, um, and they haven't been so blinded by their karma at that point that they can really see beyond the veil, as they say. Yeah. Well, I know that, that my, my oldest boy, 
would put his hand on this picture of an angel. It was part of a story that he liked to have us read. Mm-hmm. And he, I didn't realize it until I watched his lips move. He, was, he knew every word, the story, and he would read, read, read. And I see his eyes kind of get wide because he knew the, when the page turned, the angel was going to be there. Mm-hmm. So I turned the page, and there's this beautiful angel. I don't even know who it was. Mm-hmm. He put his hand on the angel. Just mm-hmm. reach out and just touch it. Mm-hmm. Right. It was so intimate, and you know there was something very, very real about that recognition. Mm-hmm. And so I knew at an early age. I mean, I knew they at an early age were corresponding with something higher unseen that I couldn't quite fathom. But they certainly were very aware, and they walk and talk with angels. I mean, I think That's the angels right. are with them all the time, and it's so, it's so commonplace they don't even comment on it. And they have such a greater connection, not necessarily than adults, but they because they've just come in, it's so strong that we want to keep them with that tie yeah. to the higher self and not be, um, you know, as you get further along in life, it gets more challenging. Well, in that young age, it's beautiful and poignant. We wish it lasted forever. Yes. Well, on that note, let's take a quick break. We'll be back in a couple of minutes, so please stay with us. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. Those seeking a higher spiritual path question everything. It is the nature of a spiritual seeker. They look deeply at all world religions and know that there are nuggets of truth within them all. The Summit Lighthouse is a deep repository of spiritual wisdom delivered by the Ascended Masters through their messengers Mark and Elizabeth Clare Prophet. For over 50 years, we have brought seekers worldwide liberating teachings that include the violet flame, the creative power of sound, and a deep personal connection to the Masters of Light. The goal of our show is to bring you timely spiritual teachings that are practical and liberating. For a free download of one of our most popular books, Go to www.summitlighthouse.org forward slash radio downloads. The Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. You are listening to The Open Door, brought to you by the Summit Lighthouse. Please send your comments or questions to webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to our show. And thanks for staying with us. You are listening to The Open Door, where today we're talking about family and God and a lot of other things, too. This has been a very rich and wide-ranging discussion we've had today. Talking about prayer as your private conversation with God. Talking about how important it is to start early to create that communion with God that will be sustained for life talking about parents being the, the pane of glass through which the children can see God, and so many other things. We had a couple of biblical references a moment ago, and I thought that to contrast that, we might bring this fast forward to the present day where we're dealing with all kinds of various forms of media and uh, distractions. And I think, Sid, you wanted to make a point about well, social I media. I have a vested interest in this because I have a 13-year-old daughter. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, but, you know, we were on vacation releasing, and we were recently we were out to dinner, my wife and I and our daughter, and at the next table, there was uh, a mother and a father and two, I don't know, they were preteen and one teen or so forth. And the four of them had their phones in front of them. Oh my. You know, they weren't talking to each other. They were doing whatever they do. And, it, you know, the power of this, you know, for I, we were obviously weren't brought up with it. 
but it is so all-encompassing, and I see what it does. And you know, friends of friends of friends and likes, and you know, she did something. One day she started up; she had four hundred followers. I mean, I, I just couldn't even keep up with it. So, Candace, you're our resident expert. How do we deal with this? Well, as I was saying to them, I don't know if you can be a resident expert in social media because it keeps warping into you know morphing into something else. Yeah. However, I think just as we talked about that, it's the parents' responsibility, and then the most influential in their children. I think you have to put boundaries around what you're going to allow your children to do. And I think it really also depends on the the age of the child. Mm -hmm. But I have noticed that in restaurants too, and it's so heartbreaking to see this is a time, you know, a meal time is such a wonderful time for a family to be enjoying the family ritual of of a meal and for the children to be all, including the parents, as you said, just watching their phones and social media is just a very difficult. So I think that's one way we're talking about bringing God back into your home, that you keep the dinner meal or any meal a sacred ritual. It's a, you know, you keep that space, that sacred space where you just talk about with your children and connect heart to heart and mm-hmm. feel each other's love. So I think that's one way because the meal time is really that time of any time in the day where you can share like that. You know, we have a we've started a, a policy in our house where remember in the old Western movies you used to have to check your gun at the door. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, we haven't, and I have to admit I'm sometimes guilty too. But uh, so we have to check our phones. Mm-hmm. We put them away, turn them off, so you can't even hear it if there's a message. You know, right. and um, you know it really does help because yeah. there's a freedom in it. But you know what kind of scares me about it is you don't in you know, it used to be able to have some control over what your children were exposed to, but now it's almost impossible because, you know, the Internet is a wide open door to things, you know, that aren't good, a lot of them. Well, it's very addictive, too. They can't seem to be without the device for very long. Yes. You know, there's a movement afoot. I'm not sure how widespread it's become, but it's the unplug a day a week. Yes. And uh, the family that kind of spearheaded that found they had a just remarkable quality time during that one day <laughs> where they, they turned off everything, TV, radio, yeah cell phones, computers, they were unplugged. Well, I think it points out, too, the challenge of being a spiritual person in a secular society because the secular society embraces distractions and entertainments. That's how you pass the time. If you're not working, you're doing something to entertain yourself or to bring self-gratification. And so this is where I think uh, children have to see how their parents live and how you know they can turn off the things and you know the daily devotions. If 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 you aren't practicing what you want your children to be, it's not going to happen. They they know whether it's real or not, and, and and we talk about these things, you know, and and it really I think makes a difference. And they, I remember, and Candace, you may remember this book, a book on uh, children staying religious and growing up their families. The importance was praying with the father, praying with the mother, praying as a family. Was yes, that it? That's right. That's yeah. right. And speaking of that, unplug a day. They actually uh, research that has been done on that is that actually the children first don't want to be involved in it. But once they get involved in that and they realize what a difference in their lives it takes to have that family time and that time away, they actually start really liking it. Mm-hmm. And so we know, again, that this is the inner awareness of the child. Well, I really need this for my soul's journey rather than I don't need all of this seven days a week. Well, so, I, I've heard them say I can't live without it. Yeah. You know, that they feel somehow the connection right. that they have electronically with somebody is more important than the one that they have where they can reach out and touch somebody. Or the classic one is when the Two kids are sitting in the same room. Instead of talking, they're texting each other. <laughs> right, right? I know. Yeah. Anyway, but but I, I think that the core of this issue and so many of them is making time for God. Mm-hmm. You know, in your family, in your, and first of all, in your life, if God is important in your life, then chances are it will be important in your child's life. If you're really living, 
you know, to the best of your ability, what you're talking about. Because Indeed. if you're being hypocritical about things, they're going to get very cynical. Well, I think that Mrs. Prophet brought up this point, and we've discussed it, where you cannot be something, you cannot teach your children something that you are not. It's pretty profound, isn't it's it? It's very profound. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, let, let's kind of take a few minutes here to get, wrap this up. Uh, we understand the importance of prayer in the home, the importance of understanding the roles of mother and father, of harmony, uh, of having these times together where we can have quality time where if we can do it, we're unplugged. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to add to that? Well, just the importance we touched on it between the dinner meal or between pray- praying every day are family rituals. There's a lot of research and a lot of the Ascended Masters have talked about it, how important it is to incorporate simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. Like I said, it could be as simple as make sure you pray every day with your child. You, um, you know, you have dinner together, or at least the meal that you can. Mm-hmm. You unplug for that. Um, even walking in nature with your children and just showing them the, the love you uh, for nature and that God has created these yeah. simple holiday rituals. Rituals, you know, research has actually said that it stimulates the limbic uh, system in mm-hmm. your brain and that actually gives you feelings of wellness and closeness. Well, that closeness is with God and it's with your family members. So rituals are really important to cooperate and they're simple. They don't have to be um, big events, it's as simple as taking a walk at night with your children or reading a Bible story or reading an inspirational story. Just something where you're having that connection yeah. consistently and intentionally. And I think that's what we have to talk about. You have to be intentional about rituals in your home or else the, the days slip by. Well, now, where can people find some of these ideas you're talking about? You've got lessons, you've got tips and techniques right. for you know, family life and all that. Where can they go to get those, and what, what would they find? Yes. We have many resources, as I mentioned, on the website, tsl.org slash family. And we have a special page that we've also developed that you might um, enjoy reading and finding resources on there that talks specifically about establishing the home-centered spiritual culture. Rituals included. Rituals included. Mm-hmm. And that is called tsl.family slash community. Say that again? tsl.org family slash community. Great. Yeah. And we also have wonderful resources that Elizabeth Clare Prophet teachings that have come through her. Um, one of them is called Family Designs for the Golden Age. And, and that's that's a multimedia that's an MP3. Uh-huh. And also on the website, though, we do have the podcasts, which you can download for free and hear the podcast um, segments of that resource. So there's family designs for the Aquarian Age? For the Golden Age. For the Golden Age. Yes. Thank you. And there's one more that I wanted to mention. Sure. I can mention so many things we have, but this one's called Freedom of the Child. It's another MP3 that you can order. Great. And it's called Discovering the in inner creative Christ and it really shows you how you can bring forth joyful and resilient children in this day and age I think there's hope for the future (laughs) I have to believe that indeed well Candace thank you so much for joining us today Um, this has been again wide ranging but this is one of the most important issues we can be discussing this family and God unity harmony and uh, perhaps saving our our culture and our our legacy and and don't hesitate to ask for help ask God to help you be a good parent to find the resources and you know the angels are right there ready to work with you if you ask them Absolutely. yeah you have to ask them they'll they'll, they'll jump to your aid if you will Right. well okay if you have any questions or concerns for uh, us to consider or any questions for Candace which we're happy to pass along you can email us at tsl.org 
no, I'm sorry, web radio. <laughs> and TSL, that's Terry's job. That's now. Yeah, he's not here. Yeah, he's I'm drawing a blank. So, so let, me, let me put on my Terry for a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> web radio at tsl.org. But do send us an email if you have any questions. We'll be happy to answer those questions. And we'll try to do it in a timely manner. And um, what else can we say before we go today? Well, pray for your family. Pray for, pray your for family. families everywhere. Yeah. And pray with your family. Yeah. <laughs> pray for them. Pray with, with them. them. Very good point. Well, as we like to say, though the upward path may sometimes be difficult, the rewards, rewards are, are out, out of, of this world. world. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you again for joining us this week. Remember, tell your friends and family that they can listen to us live each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and Noon Mountain on Voice America's 7th Wave Channel. For more information about The Open Door and The Summit Lighthouse, please visit our website, www.tsl.org. We'll see you again next week.